0: I'm David Flint, this is Take Back Your Country. Welcome. We Australians used to think we lived under the rule of law. In fact, we were one of the five or six countries which have continuously lived under the rule of law longer than any others. But nowadays it seems that we are living under the rule of the lawbreakers. And the lawbreakers are our leading politicians. There was a time once in ancient Rome when, if there were threats to the city, an invasion, for example, or a pestilence, a dictator would be appointed to take important and extreme measures and be given full powers, but would have to surrender those powers and account for them within a relatively short period of time. Well, it was an invasion, but it was a pestilence. They obviously didn't have the medical learning that we have today. And what they relied on were attempts to propitiate the gods, satisfy the gods who were thought to be angry with Rome. And one of the things they did was uh, the dictator was authorised to drive a nail into the wall of the temple, which was an ancient ceremony. It's probably not much more effective than having lockdowns, at least in the view of some of the world's most eminent scientists who think lockdowns are a terrible waste of time. But unlike driving a nail into the wall of the temple, lockdowns create enormous burdens of the people in all manner of ways, including the ruination of business, mental problems, and worse. And the premiers, the premiers are doing all sorts of things. They think that they have unlimited power and they're doing things which couldn't possibly be related to stopping the Wuhan virus or the COVID virus, as some call it. For example, relatives have stopped seeing some dying parent Uh, people are being imprisoned in their homes, businesses are being closed. The Olympians, who when they came back from Tokyo, had to have a double quarantine. Those who lived in South Australia had a quarantine of 14 days in Sydney or in the Northern Territory, then another quarantine in Adelaide. Completely capricious. Schools have been closed, although... The medical advisers have said there's no great advantage in closing the schools, it's just setting an example. In New South Wales, the Premier suddenly decided to close the construction industry. and The Chief Medical Officer said she gave no health advice to that effect. So why was the construction industry closed? There have been massive fines and they've been increased. Overseas travel is not allowed, even where people are vaccinated and could cause no problems overseas. And we saw in Victoria one of the most extraordinary and outrageous events when a pregnant woman in a country town in Victoria just indicated on Facebook that there would be some sort of meeting to protest. She was in her own home, arrested by the police, a pregnant woman in front of her children, her arms where her hands were handcuffed behind her back, and this is something we would expect to see in a dictatorship and not in Australia. What is happening in Australia is completely unacceptable. Ministers, not parliaments, but ministers, are going to their offices and they're signing subordinate legislation, that is, they're signing laws delegated by an Act of Parliament, And these are not being subjected to the usual tests and balances. They think they have unlimited power to do anything. The fact is that they do not have unlimited power. They do not have what one court said is the power to be capricious and unreasonable. We have a fundamental system in Australia in which we believe that we have fundamental rights granted to us by our Creator and these are the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And these cannot be taken away by the politicians. What should happen? The proper process would be this in the exercise of delegated legislation. And this used to be the practice. A proper case would be put. That is, the legal reasons, the legal power for ex- for doing something would be explained and justified. There'd be legal advice. There'd be medical advice explaining why this was necessary. And then there would be an important assessment of a balance. That is, what would the effect be? How damaging would the decision be on people? And would it be justified by the advantages gained? A cost-benefit analysis, as economists call it. And that would go not to the minister in his office, just signing what he wants to sign, what he instructs, or what the Premier instructs him to sign, and then putting it in the Gazette and declaring that as law, what would happen would be that would go to the Executive Council. The case would be put to the Governor, and the Governor would be sure, the Governor would satisfy himself or herself that all the processes had been probably, properly uh, certified and done in the most orderly manner. And the the governor would want to know whether she had the power or he had the power to do what they wanted him to do and whether there were any conditions on the exercise of that, of that power and whether those would be fulfilled. That's how it used to be for anything important. We didn't have the Minister of Health just dashing off to his office and signing something and putting it in the Gazette as in New South Wales where, for example, the present Delta virus the variant came into australia because for four months the new south wales government ignored advice that they should be doing something to regulate the position of drivers of limousines bringing around uh international airline crew around the city they didn't bother to do this and they left it for four months and then During the lockdown in Sydney, the minister signed the order without any apology for the mistakes that the New South Wales government had made. The proper way to do this is to present it to the executive council, but gradually the politicians have taken this process away and just given the power to the minister who's interested in the decision. We don't get the the role of the governor changes to make sure everything has been properly done. After all, we are a constitutional monarchy. The crown has a role to play, and as uh, and in accordance with the old, the old saying, the crown is important not for the power it wields, but the power it denies others. The ministers, the premier, the prime minister have to go to the governor general, have to go to the governor with a case asking for that to be approved. It will normally be approved, but. It is a surety that things are being done properly. And then, in the old days, that regulation, with all the arguments for it, available for Parliament to see if they wanted to see, that would be laid before both houses immediately, and it would be open to both houses, either of them, to pass a motion disallowing the regulation, disallowing the order. So we had these checks and balances. So in New South Wales, everything that comes out of these these, uh, media conferences, the orders that come out of them, would go to the Legislative Council, the Legislative Assembly, and up in the Legislative Council, people like Mark Latham and Fred Nile would be able to try and persuade the Council, if they thought it appropriate, to disallow that regulation as completely excessive, as so many of them are. They have proved to be. The Prime Minister and the Premier seem to be beyond control. They're doing exactly what they want to do and they're not that qualified to do this sort of thing. They are certainly qualified in terms of salary. The Premier receiving in New South Wales $8,000 a week and the, uh, the medical officers receiving also enormous amounts of money. But as to the present law... It's very clearly established that ministers do not have unlimited powers to make these orders. They, they have to satisfy certain tests. They have to make sure that they have the legal power to do this. They have to make sure that what they're doing is reasonable. They have to look at the damages they may cause, make a, a balancing assessment and come to a proportionate conclusion. And the most recent case on this concerned the live cattle export ban. The minister in question, under the Gillard government, Minister Ludwig, first of all passed an order saying that cattle could only be exported to those abattoirs we knew were safe and humane. But a few days later, under public pressure, pressure from the ABC and other people, he decided to completely ban the export of live cattle in Australia. And that was done for a number of months. It ruined people. It destroyed businesses. It was highly damaging. It created an enormous amount of cruelty for cattle, which had been driven up to the ports and then had to be turned round without sufficient water, without sufficient feed. The whole thing was a chaotic and drastic mess. And an enormous amount of damages are going to be paid for this, But unfortunately, the damages are not going to be paid by the politicians. They're going to be paid by you and me. The taxpayers will have to pay those damages. This is called misfeasance in public office. And I have no doubt that the ministers in the governments of Australia have, on many occasions, committed the civil law offence of misfeasance in public office by going too far thinking that they have unlimited powers. There are desperate there is a desperate need for a reform of the law. Misfeasance in public office is all very well. It takes a long time to go to court. You get class actions where a lot of people join together and that uh, that then is satisfies a judge that the ministers have gone too far. The ministers are going too far now That sort of case should be able to be brought on quickly, and there should also be a criminal side to that. Firstly, if damages are awarded, then surely the ministers should be required to contribute from their vast salaries towards those damages. Wouldn't that be fair? In the same way that we have to pay the $5,000 fines that the Premier of New South Wales has decided we have to pay if we appear in public without a mask. And in the same way, there ought to also be a criminal offence of serious misfeasance in public office. These politicians are getting away with breaking the law, much more than those people who engaged in a demonstration in Sydney which wasn't authorised. These are serious breaches of the law which are having terrible impacts on the people of Australia. It's time. It's time indeed that Australians should take back their country.